Welcome to the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. Each week on the podcast, you'll hear stories and tactics from experts and influencers who will provide you with actionable steps to transform your business and your life. I'm your host, Larissa McClemon, and I help salon owners move from stress and overwhelm to lead a life of freedom and profit by implementing a strategic framework to grow and scale their business. So wherever you are in the world, I want to officially invite you to join me in this episode and make an important step in your journey towards more freedom and more profit. Are you making the right decision? You finally nailed the perfect recipe for a great team, loyal clients, and the systems and processes you have in your business are making your life as a salon owner easy. So now you're thinking, well, what's next? The creative entrepreneur inside of you is left wanting more. Hello, shiny objects, which for a lot of salon owners, myself included, can lead us to doing crazy things like deciding to open a second salon. After all, surely, Just taking what we're already doing and already working and multiplying that by two, right? Should be easy. Well, actually, maybe it's not that simple. So I want to introduce you to a good friend of mine, Shelby. She's the owner of Pink Lady Lash in Austin, Texas. And she's also the host of Lash Boss Radio. Shelby is a mother and a successful business owner and has had the experience of opening a second salon of her own. So in this episode, we're going to uncover all of the myths around whether or not we should be opening a second location, plus reveal the one thing nobody talks about when you're running two salons at the same time. So keep listening and let's meet the lovely Shelby. Shelby, thank you so much for joining me on the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. Very pleased to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. So before we get started, let's do this. Um, Tell us. What do you do? How did you get to be doing it? Where are you in the world? So I'm from Austin, Texas. I have a lash salon. All we do is lashes. Um, I have a lash podcast. I have a lash conference. Um, I also own a lash school because in Texas, we have the lash specialty license. I think we're one of like a few states that has that. Um, So I own um, one of those as well. I just opened that in November of this last year. Um, And yeah, so I love lashes, but um, entrepreneurship and, you know, just business in general makes me so happy. So I love that we get to talk about that here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited for our conversation because I think, you know, even though you're on the other side of the world and you do lashes, I did hair, um, we've got a very similar story. And so I want to really start with that. And we we both had an entrepreneurial seizure, so we say, and decided to not only have one business, but to have two. And um, again, we both Uh, also decided to go from two down to the one location. So I want to talk about that because I have this conversation a lot, Shelby, with owners who are having a good time, enjoying growing their business and think, this is great. Let's do it again. Let's have another business. Mm -hmm. And um, I believe, like you, that sometimes we get a little bit ahead of ourselves and maybe jump in too quickly because the second conversation I have most often is, help me, I've got two businesses and everything is out of control. So why don't we start with, tell us your journey. How did you go from one to two and what made you go back to one? So um, I was 
in my first year of um, owning a salon and was like, I'm ready for two. And one thing I'll say right off the bat, if you can notice that feeling of like, when somebody's asking you, like, are you sure? Or like, have you thought about, and you're just very defensive towards it. Chances are, you know, that there it's, it's very risky. And, um, at the time I wasn't, our systems weren't solid. So, uh, we had a ton of clients. We had great retention. We had a great culture. I had like team bonding things every month, but that's what was making us so special. And what I didn't realize was, you know, multiplying it and, um, trying to recreate that somewhere else, the essence of the first one started to like dissipate. And it was now my energy and time was split. And I felt like I was still building like the first team as I was trying to build this second team. And I myself got extremely stressed, um, overwhelmed. And that's when my burnout actually started. I think when I opened the second, um, but I just kept on believing like, no, surely like at any moment, like it's going to start working. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of why I opened the first one is just because I felt like it was going so well. And that can be true, but that doesn't necessarily mean you need to open a second one. Um, you could also look at your, your schedule and like your hours for sale. And can you open like a seventh day? If you're only open six days, can you do longer hours and do split shifts? There's other things that you can do before saying like, let's open a second one. So you can build your team without needing to like get a whole new lease and everything is what I'm saying. Yeah, I really agree with this. And um, there's this feeling of things are going well. I can replicate more equals more. But really what you're saying is that we actually we can get more out of what we've already got. Uh, we haven't reached full potential. And while it's exciting and it's new and we're in momentum to step into something new, that doesn't mean because we can that we should. Right. And then it's extremely easy for, you know, the first salon to now start paying the bills for salon number two and then putting both businesses at risk. Um, it just doesn't feel good. And you can't show up as like your best self, your best, you know, leader if you are freaking out inside because you're not sure if you can pay both rents anymore. So I would say keep the overhead the same and really just expand within the one location you already have and like make your systems like crystal clear and very solid before you even think about opening another one. Cause you, you might realize like you have it, you have it pretty good with just one. Yeah, I think so. And if you think from a functional point of view, you know, if you look at your calendar and what capacity you have as the leader, and if you're going to double a business and the business isn't working without you yet, then you're literally going to double your workload. I don't I, like I think about my own experience. I don't know why I didn't put two and five together at the time and go, OK, so if it's taking me 35 hours a week to run this business, do I have 35 hours a week to run the second one and to replicate literally what I'm doing? And, and that <laughs> uh, I'm sad to admit it, but that equation didn't cross my mind at the time when I stepped forward I thought this is great I'm in momentum it's so exciting let's do it again um, and like you we both stepped back into having one location so tell us a little bit you were kind of around the 11 team members when you had two and then you stepped back into location one and you still have 11 members so what is business like now 
in yeah. the salon as a result of being one location? Um, I would say that like 70% of that original 11 is still with me. Um, the others have like gone on and focused on motherhood, which is amazing, but I'm, I'm sad that they're not here with us anymore, but, um, we've hired some newer girls and like really been able to focus on the onboarding and the systems within bringing someone on and, um, refining their skills because I'm there and I'm not at the other location, you know? And so I decided, so it was actually during the pandemic. Um, I had been, you know, white knuckling, you know, hanging on to the second location for a while, um, basically since the day I opened it. And so I had it open for three years and it was stressful the whole time. And I never wanted to admit that to myself or to anyone else. And every time somebody, and I know like I wasn't listening to myself because anytime someone would, would say, you're so successful in my head, I'd be like, yeah, not, I don't feel successful. I feel this is not right. So the pandemic came, everyone started having like mental shifts with that in general, but I also was a brand new mom. Um, I had my son January, 2020. So right before everything shut down. And I think when you become a mother, your pride and ego goes away. And so I was then able to like openly talk about and, you know, sit with those second thoughts in my head. And I decided I don't want my life to be like this. I am willing to close a second location to make my business stronger. I'm not opposed to maybe opening another location in the future. Maybe it might look different bringing on a second owner or something, but it was one of the best things I ever did. And it it felt very authentic. And so with that, um, I retained everyone on both teams. We merged into one location and most of our clients also started coming there. So it was an immediate, like positive response to that decision. And, um, ever since then, I've just really found the cracks in my business that I want to pour into and build upon. And yeah, so redoing things like my handbook or just, um, refining all of the systems, refining the training program. I I spent over a year. So like 14 months refining my whole entire onboarding and training program, just a little bit each month. Um, on top of everything we already do as salon owners, but yeah, there's just been so many good things that have come out of that. And, um, so it's, I'm really proud of the decision and happy. I, I did it. Yeah. I love this. I think there's, there's, um, it's great to recognize you get to a certain level of business. Uh, we have this, uh, stages and phases that we talk about you we start as an operator we're working primarily with clients directly and we as our team grows four or more we step into the manager's phase and we need to now manage the humans what we could do with you know two or three we can't do with four and eight people on our team and then we step into the ceo phase and and the ceo phase changes a lot um because really it's about stepping out of uh daily operations and it's a refinement phase we can't constantly be creating more and adding more and new what i would call shiny objects the fun stuff that feels like we're you know killing it in business and we as creative entrepreneurs we like to create and develop Uh, but at some point we have to refine and tweak to improve and i think and, and i'm sure this is your experience shelby 
it's the one or two percent improvements now that actually get the big result once we yeah. get to the stage. Yeah. And we have to manage ourselves to come into that stage and settle into being, you know, refinement being the thing that moves the needle. Is, is this true for your experience also? Yes. Yes. Um, you know, you go through this stage where you're approaching burnout or hit it um, whenever you're just trying to do everything and wear all of the hats. And um, I remember feeling like somebody would say like, how are you doing? And I'd be like, I'm just so busy. I'm just, I just have so much to do, but like, that's not a good thing. Like you can delegate some of that stuff. And I think, uh, I love the word creative entrepreneurs. I love that. I thrive when I can just look at things and be like, Oh, let's okay. For this week, let's really talk about, um, consultations and let's like talk about ways that we can improve it. And then you'll see next month, the retention has gone up with new client retention. Pre-book numbers go up whenever you start focusing on that and you don't have, it's, it's so fun. Like it's so rewarding to do that, to just be like, let's pick a metric and see what behaviors influence that metric. And then let's just guide the team in that. How fun is that? I love this stage and I'd rather be just aware of those things and do it with one team than say success is how many locations can I get, you know? Um, but yeah, what you said, totally relate. Hey, I just wanted to pop in to tell you something. Don't worry. We're going to get back to this awesome episode in just a second. Now, if this sounds like you listen up, you have a team, you love your team, but you're sick of wondering why and wishing your team would make their sales targets. You want them to be smashing sales because it shows that they're actually looking after their clients really well. Like imagine if you could have a way to make more from the clients that you already have, increase sales without spending more on advertising. Well, it's totally possible and I want to help you. And I want to help you do it with ease in a classy way. No hard and dirty sales tricks here. Ways to serve your clients, make more, because everybody wins. The team, the client, and of course, you, the business owner. Now, if you want to find out more, just DM me uh, and let's chat. I'll make a plan for you. I'm also going to leave a link for you on the show notes of this episode. All right, let's get back to the episode. Yeah, okay. Let's talk a little bit about being clear about the boundaries that we or what we say yes and no to, again, to be able to sort of level up in the growth of our business, but also on what we do and where we make the impact in our business. At some point, we have to start saying no to some stuff and employing other people to do it because we can't do all of the things all of the time. So talk to us about your kind of experience through that and resetting boundaries of what you will and you won't do. um, And then also what choosing what you will do, like what is important for the CEO to do versus team members. Right. Um, I think again, it started with me being, I think it was coming from my pride, like just, I'm really good at websites and I'm really good at social media. So I'll be doing all of that. Oh, and I'll also be doing the payroll (laughs) and I'll also be doing this. And I just ran myself to the ground that way. It's not necessary. And my brain is much better utilized when I'm not bogged down with a lot of those things. So, um, bringing someone on to do the social media, um, but at the same time, not giving them, um, 
completely free reign. It's still being your voice. It's still being like, you can approve all of the posts that go up, but you don't need to necessarily create them all. Um, letting, letting team members just never take photos and not be, not have that part of their like professional obligation. Like that's a boundary right there saying like, no, you need to, you need to photograph your work. Um, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. I had a really good one too. Oh, um, a big one was when I, at a certain hour, you need to have, you can't, you can't just be accessible at any hour of the night or at 5 AM, like it can be put in an email. And we even do this with throughout the whole team. Like if somebody is off that day, it can probably wait till they come to the salon. A lot of things we ask ourselves, can it wait to till in person or can it be put in an email? And that just keeps, you know, my, I need rest just as much as anyone else. And so that boundary has been very important that, um, I, cause I used to just like, just say, I'm, I'm available anytime. Like call me anytime. I always have my phone and, and then I'm tied to my phone or I think every single thing is an emergency. Um, so that was causing a lot of like anxiety. So now, um, I feel much better and more open to being available for other things that are important and that, um, do help drive the team forward. And, um, so, yeah, I think it starts with just knowing where your limits are, getting help, um, having other people, you know, that are experts in something, let them just let them come and help with that. You don't have to do everything. So. Yeah. Um, you have a girl that helps you with social media, yes, um, I do. but your social media is, you know, uh, very prevalent and it's, and it's strong. How do you manage kind of getting what you want, um, but not doing it yourself? So the team takes photos of their work. We have those edited. And then um, the social media manager actually composites them and writes all the captions. And then I approve it weekly. And then it goes out whenever she posts it and she'll engage with um, our audience. Um, she'll also reach out to influencers in our city and like just engage on their accounts as well. And that helps bring attention to our salon and I don't have to be doing it. I don't have, I feel like spending so much time on the phone is, is exhausting. So having her do that or read um, or screen like the messages and um, like, Hey, I think you should respond to this one or something um, or directing them to where they can, you know, find that information and stuff like that. So um, yeah, she's been around for over a year and she's kind of gotten an eye for what we like. And so it, it's great. Yeah. Okay. I love that there's this uh, balance of autonomy and taking action, but you still have the, the overall. And I think for sometimes for owners, finding that balance of how do I give things away and not have to own them and be in control of them, but still manage like the output, like, that it's still right. up to standard and um, on brand. Um, so I like the balance that you have around that. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Shelby, I would love to just switch for a moment to talk about the other businesses that you have and one, what are they? How do they work? And two, how do you now manage all of the pieces? Because you're a mum, you're a serial entrepreneur. Tell me what, like, how do you manage all of those pieces now having, like going through it a second time now, you've learned some lessons. What does it look like for you now? Time management 
is so important. Um, I, so the good thing is that my salon and my beauty school are right next door to each other. So I can just bounce back and forth. Um, but again, with even the, the school, I kind of use the same systems that I use in the salon and we have the same like cleaning rota- rotation, like list for everyone. They know what they're doing when they get there. Um, we have lots of like paperwork that we have to do for our school. And we share that between, um, myself and the other instructors. And so, um, it feels very similar, like my, uh, role and hours and stuff. Um, I, my podcast is another thing that I have to like stay on top of and I need to, you know, manage that. So a lot of times I batch episodes, I'll just change my shirt and, um, and, you know, record and stuff so that I have content always. We use some of that content for social media. I'll send that. I'll just send the whole episode to my social media manager. She'll cut it and um, take some parts from it. So I feel like um, a lot of times it looks like I might be busier than I am. I realize that in my position, I can kind of design my day. Um, And so if for example, I, I send my son to childcare for four hours a day. So I use those four hours. However I can, I might even get a workout in, in that time, but still manage all my work in the day or when he's napping, I'll finish emails or something. But I find that telling people like, can it wait to till it's in person really cuts back on emails too. Um, but yeah, so those are my ventures and, um, I basically spend all afternoon and evening with my son, unless he's with his dad. And then I'll, um, head to work if, if I can. Yeah. I love that. Um, I almost love that the four hours a day forces you to be hyper-focused, um, and not heavy, any unnecessary, yeah. unnecessary stuff. Like you can't afford to do that. Right. And delegating really helps too, because you can even delegate things like uh, reporting, just send me the summary of these reports or analyze these reports and let me know, is anyone falling under the threshold of where we should be with pre-book numbers or where we should be with retention numbers? That's really easy because I can have a two minute conversation with them tomorrow Um, versus like being just like sitting in front of your computer and just creating busy work um, doesn't mean you're productive. Um, So I've just found like just a flow with my productivity where I'm creating the most impact with minimal time, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Amazing. All right. What is a a quote, a mentor or something that keeps you super hyper-focused that has been super successful that you can share with salon owners? I'd say um, meet people where they're at. So a lot of times with clients or even with team members, um, a lot of sometimes conflict is something that is to do with them and not taking that personally and kind of meeting them um, there and then expanding from there. So I find um, if I don't give negative energy back to whatever it might be, it ends up being um the outcome is usually pretty great so yeah meet people where they're at i love that um, i think too as owners especially driven cre- creative entrepreneurial types 
um, we can often come to people with our own agendas. Would you agree? You know, like we've got an agenda, there's an outcome I'm trying to achieve here. And so I like this approach of meeting people where they're at because it's actually going, okay, where are you in your journey? Um, yeah, because they can't meet us in our journey that they're on their own journey. So I right. really like that shift. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, okay. What about a book, a resource, a podcast or something that, you know, has been transformational for you that you think all owners should get their hands on? I've been listening to the Tim Ferriss show for several years and I love everyone he brings on. I learn something every episode. Um I love it. I love that show. And he's wrote a really great book, um, the four hour work work week. Um, and so I don't take that literally. I don't literally have a four hour work week. I'm sure I could design it like that one day, but, um, for now I actually do a four day, four hour day, Um, four hour day. Yes. I noted that. (laughs) And, uh, yeah. So basically I I just recommend this to any business owner because it will help you think differently about time and how you um, look at your life in general when it comes to business. Yeah, I I think you're a walking uh, example of that. You know, how can we achieve all the great things, but not at the expense of time? And I think, you know, especially when our children are little, uh, we don't want business success to be at the cost of our children. Right, exactly. All right. Shelby, I know people are going to want to stalk you, find you, uh, check you out. So where can we find you? Um, my Instagram is Shelby the Lash Boss. Um, my salon Instagram is Pink Lady Lash. All right. I love that. Um, I really appreciate you sharing your insights and, uh, you know, a moment in your shoes, if you will. I think um, that's super inspiring for people, you know, working a little bit too much and doing a little bit too much. Um, and actually you're walking proof that actually doing less sometimes is more. Mm-hmm, exactly. And I talk about stuff like this on my show as well, Lash Boss Radio. So had to plug that and too. For sure. We shall put the link to all of those. Tim Ferriss, your podcast um, in the show notes of this episode. Shelby, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Thank you for having me. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining me, Shelby. I certainly do love hanging out with you. We've had some shared experiences in the hair and beauty industry for sure. It's always refreshing to hear other entrepreneurs who have realized that through actually doing less and saying no to things that don't serve them can be super empowering for the business and, of course, your personal life. So if you ever are considering opening a second salon and want some step-by-step processes to decide whether or not it's the right move for you, then let's chat. I hope you work through the numbers and the processes to see if it will bring you the success that you're truly after. Just click the apply now button in the show notes of this episode. I'll send you a DM and we'll chat. It's that easy. All right. Otherwise, I look forward to connecting with you same time, same place on the podcast. Ciao for now. Thanks for joining me on another episode of the podcast. Tune in every week as I reveal the latest insights and advice on what it takes to truly master your inner salon CEO and master your salon success. Subscribe to the Salon Owners Collective podcast on iTunes or Spotify or visit us online at www.salonownerscollective.com. But make sure to join me in my Facebook group for answers to common questions and much, much more. Thanks for listening and I look forward to tuning in with you again next week.